Did you ever discuss your salary, shared what your salary is with another employee in the company? Seriously, there's just you and me here. You did, didn't you? But, but it felt wrong. Or, or maybe you didn't. And, and why not? Because the company said you can't discuss your salary with somebody else. Maybe it was in the contract. Maybe it's under confidentiality. You can't discuss it. Uh, first thing I want you to know is that uh, under the National Labor Relations Act or the NLRA, uh, which was created in 1935, employees have the right to communicate with other employees at their workplace about their wages. First of all, it doesn't cover discussing it outside of the company. So like posting it on Facebook, social media, uh, or anywhere else that that does fall under confidentiality. Uh, and maybe uh, your employer can say, don't do that during work time or at the facility itself. But the law prohibits them from not letting you share your salary information. Now, first of all, this is not legal advice. I'm not giving you legal advice. If you believe that you're not allowed to discuss and you should uh, consult with a lawyer, I'm not giving you legal advice in this podcast. And this is not the topic of today's episode. Why are you afraid to share it? Is it maybe because you may learn that they make more than you? What would you feel afterwards uh, that, uh, you know, when, when you learn that they make more than you, maybe for exactly the same job? Uh, maybe you're afraid that uh, you're going to learn that they make more than them. They will then tell HR and you're going to feel stupid for sharing it with them. But really what I'm going to focus on today is what does this do to trust in the company and what should you do about it? Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? So first of all, don't worry about it. I'm not going to tell anyone. Plus, I can't really hear you. This is a podcast. We're not talking on the phone. But let's talk about the reality. And th this whole episode started, or, or the topic for me started when I woke up one morning, uh, watched uh, TV, and saw an article, a, a piece, on whether uh, people share their compensation information and how that changed over generations. And so I tracked that article and I found the research on which it was uh, based. There was a uh, survey done in uh, February of this year, 2022, of uh, 2,449 adults. And they really asked, what, what is, uh, uh, do you share salary information with a coworker or other professional contacts? What are the percentages? And it was interesting to see that those percentages were significantly different across generations. Baby boomers, those who are age 58 to 76, 19%, only 19% of them do share compensation information. When it goes to Gen X, uh, those that are uh, 42 to 57 years old, 
That number goes from 19% to 31%. Millennials, age 26 through 41, 40%. And Gen Z, the uh, youngest generation really in the workforce, 18 to 25, 42%. 42% of them do share salary information. Now, I'm not even sure that they know that they can, that, that there is a law that prohibits the company from stopping them from sharing this information. The bottom line is that they do share. Another survey done by Glassdoor showed that 63% of employees prefer to work at a company that discloses pay information. They, they don't keep secrets away from uh, between the employees. 63% prefer to work for a company or at a company that discloses pay information, but only 19% of the companies actually do disclose it internally. I'm, I'm not talking about externally. I'm not talking about posting it on their website. 63% of employees want their company to disclose that pay information, but only 19% of the companies actually do that. That's a huge disparity. So 19% of companies actually do disclose it intentionally, internally, uh, what the, the pay information uh, or salaries are. Do you think that the other 81% can really keep it a secret? If you're in the 81%, can you keep that a secret? So the first question is, what if you can't? Well, what if you can't? You are not disclosing salary information to employees, so one employee cannot know what another employee is making, and they find out that the pay is not fair. Somebody, an employee, finds out that the pay is not fair, while you did not disclose it. They, they found out by themselves. W what will they do? Well, uh, another survey showed that 71% of baby boomers will do nothing well, you know, that's, that's good news, right? Except baby boomers start at the age of 58. Uh, Gen Z, the younger generation, only 30% of them will do nothing. So we're going from 71% of baby boomers will do nothing to 30% of Gen Z will do nothing. 70% of Gen Z will do something. So what will they do? So back to baby boomers, 24% will ask for something, and this something can be a raise. Give me a raise. I hear that somebody else is making more. I want more flexibility. I'm okay with the same salary, but uh, give me something else in return, like flexibility, work flexibility, work from home, uh, flexible hours, or something of value instead of a pay raise. So 24% of baby boomers, this goes up to 47% of Gen Z. Gen Z is not shy. Gen Z will ask for something. Half of them will ask for something if they're not happy. Only 14% of baby boomers will quit or get a new job, while 55% of the Gen Zers, the, the younger employees, would quit or get a, a new job. That's more than half. By the way, the, the totals add up to more than 100% because some of them uh, mentioned several things that they might do. So the younger the employees are, the more likely they are to do something about it. Now, do you really think that, that you can keep it a secret? Not to mention that it's illegal. 
to keep employees from knowing other employees' salaries uh, or talk about that. It's not illegal uh, for you to not disclose it. That's up to you, but it's illegal for you to prohibit them to talk from talking about that. Uh, but, but let's say that, that they don't, that they don't talk about that. Is it better for you that they assume that they know what other employees are making? You know, there are websites such as Glassdoor and Payscale that do publish this information. So this is where employees anonymously go on their these websites and they post, this is how much I'm making. Can you trust that information? I mean, especially since it's anonymous. Could it be driven by an agenda? An employee that wants other employees to be disgruntled. So uh, they post a uh, very high salary. And then they tell everybody, hey, you know, I looked at the glass door and this is what I saw. Do you want them to to rely on that? Uh, Do you want them to make assumptions? You know, we to to feel safe, we need to have a certain amount of information. If we don't have that in the form of facts, we make this up in the form of assumptions. So what happens when an employee assumes that they're making more than others? They may feel uncomfortable. But but obviously, the worst case is what happens when they assume that they're making less than others, not knowing what others really make. For whatever reason, they make this assumption. What would happen? So, for the rest of this episode, let me talk about what does this do to trust? To analyze what this does to trust, obviously, I'm going to use my relative trustworthiness models and the uh, six components underneath it. So first of all, we're going to start with, I think you're making more than me. I may not know that, but I think you're making more than me. The biggest component to affect trust here is the component of symmetry and the subcomponent of fairness. When you don't let me share pay information, you don't let somebody else share pay information, it puts us on different sides, on opposite sides of a wall. It puts us kind of in competition with one another. And uh, I I have a friend who told me that uh, she has not been speaking to uh, her sibling for many, 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 many years. And uh, I asked her one day if, if she could track why this started. I mean, not speaking to a sibling is, is a pretty extreme measure. And she told me a story about their mother giving her brother something, telling him, don't tell your sister that I gave you that. At the same time, she would give her something and tell her, don't tell your brother that I gave you that. At that point, you are hurting the trust between those two siblings. They don't trust each other because they know that they have to keep secrets. And keeping secrets is a big part of not being on the same side. You're on opposite sides if you keep secrets. The same thing with the company. When the company says, don't share your salary information, then you're keeping a secret. 
When your peer is going to ask you, how much do you make? And you say, I can't tell you. I shouldn't tell you. The company tells me not to tell you. You're keeping a secret from them. And when you ask them, they're keeping a secret from you. That does not put you on the same side. That hurts the trust between the employees themselves. Now, a huge component or subcomponent of symmetry is fairness. And I found that fairness is critical for me to trust somebody, knowing that I'm being treated fairly by them. So now this is the trust that that the employees have not in one another, but in the company. Can you trust a company that does not treat you equally to somebody else or fairly with somebody else? I mean, frankly, uh, obviously, if, uh, if I'm the one on the short end of the stick, if I'm the one getting less than somebody else for no really good reason or, or good criteria, then I don't trust this company because this company is treating me unfairly. But I may feel that even when I'm getting more than another person. You know, I have to take you back to uh, an experiment that I did in one of my workshops and something that unexpected that I learned from it. Uh, I, I did, I followed Chris Voss's, uh, Chris Voss is the author of uh, Never Split the, um, the Middle. Uh, he is the uh, a, a former FBI hostage negotiator and, and he talks about, he wrote a book about negotiations. And in his book, he mentioned uh, an exercise that he did. And the exercise is, uh, I'm going to give you $10 and you decide how much you're going to offer the other person. And you can offer anything from zero to 10, but it has to be in whole dollars. So it's zero, one, two, three, whatever, uh, up to 10. The other person has to decide whether they accept your offer if they do, then whatever the split is, this is what you get. If they don't, neither one of you gets anything. So, for example, let's say that uh, I offered you the $10. You offered the other person $5. They said, fine, you get, uh, you get the 10 you give them 5 you get to keep 5 That's what you keep. Let's say that you offer them something and they say no. Let's say that you offer them $2 and they said no for some reason. Uh, if they said no, you don't get the $10 to split anymore. So nobody gets anything. So the way Chris Voss in, in his book described running this exercise was that uh, he would ask at the end uh, who was offered $1 and a few of the hands would go up. Uh, and then he would ask uh, how many of you rejected the offer and uh, a few of the hands would, would remain up because some of the people who got $1 uh, would not accept it. And uh, then he would uh, ask, why did you reject it? And uh, those who rejected it said, uh, because it was unfair. Okay, fair enough. Well, I, I started doing this exercise in my own workshops, but once I made a mistake. Instead of asking the first question, who was offered $1? The first question I asked was, who rejected the offer? 
And a few of the hands went up, and and that's when I realized, oh, I I asked the wrong question. I I should have asked who was offered $1, but I already asked who was offered, uh, who rejected the offer that they got from the person that I offered the $10 to. So a few of the hands went up, and I started asking what was the offer that you got from them. The offer was $1. Now, one of the things, I, I turned this into a survey later, And what I found was that 72% of those offered $1 would still accept it. I mean, they would accept anything other than zero, obviously. They would accept everything uh, simply because, you know, a dollar is better than nothing. This is an economic decision. You're being offered a dollar. Why would you say no? 13% rejected it. Because it was unfair to them. I'm not taking $1 just to see you take 9 This is how important fairness is. I'm not taking $1 just to see you take 9 An interesting insight was that 10%. So I'll go back to the exercise. So I asked them, what was the, uh, what, uh, what was the offer? $1. Why did you reject it? It was unfair. What was the offer? $1. Why did you reject it? Unfair. I kept on asking. Until one person I asked, what was the offer? He said $10. I was blown away. Wait, wait, wait. He offered you, I'm sorry, it was a she. She offered you the entire $10 and you said no. He said, right. Why not? Because it was unfair to her. Hmm. So... In my survey, what I found was that 10% of the people, those are my fairness nuts, uh, they would only take $5. Anything that's not exactly split down the middle is unfair and I'm going to reject it. By the way, I'm not sure that many of them thought about the fact that when you reject it, the other person doesn't get anything and I'm not sure that you just did the fair thing to them. But... um, 10% would only accept $5. They rejected the options in the survey (coughs) were $1, $2, $5, or the entire $10. And the only uh, offer that they accepted was the $5. But 5% accepted $1, accepted $2, obviously accepted $5. Everybody accepted $5. Only rejected $10. They only rejected an offer... That was unfair to the other side. They didn't care about their own fair, uh, fairness towards them. They cared about fairness towards the other side. So fairness is important. Fair, fairness is very important for trust as a component. So when you know that the company is not treating people fairly, in many cases... That means that you're not going to trust this company anymore. And by the way, probably if I, uh, if I project that on, on my uh, survey, 5% would consider the company to not be trustworthy even if they're the ones making more money than somebody else. So obviously, symmetry and, and fairness is plays a big part in the trust uh, between employees and the trust that they have in the company. 
based on uh, pay transparency. But but there's another component, and, and I put that under the positivity component and specifically under the BS part of uh, positivity or no BS. There are two values here that we value in another person or entity or company in this case uh, in in order to determine their trustworthiness under the, the general component of positivity. And those are transparency and predictability. Merely the fact that they're not being transparent with pay, with salaries, with compensation is already a reason for us not to trust them. You know, somebody's holding secrets from you for no real good reason. That causes me to not trust you, not not trust them. And by the way, when I say for no good reason, maybe what they're keeping is a piece of information that you really don't want to know. Because once you know it, it opens you to liability from the outside world or, or what have you. That's fair enough. You know, uh, would you trust Coca-Cola, a company that that since, I think, what was the year, 1882 or, or 1886, I think, did not share with their employees their formula? This is how they keep it a trade secret. So they're not sharing their secrets with me, then I don't trust them. No, this I understand why they don't share it with me. I don't want to know the uh, the formula. There's too much at stake for Coca-Cola's comp- uh, competitors uh, that that I don't want to know what the formula is. I don't want to be their target, okay? But I'm not talking about that kind of transparency. I'm talking about the transparency that of information that you should be disclosing with me. And with all due respect, pay information is information that you should be disclosing with me. And the second part of, of the no BS uh, that, that we expect in order to trust company under the uh, positivity component is predictability. How predictable is my salary? You know, as, as I'm growing in the company, as I get more tenure in the company, uh, as I rise in the hierarchy, as I deliver more results, well, whatever it is, I want to have a predictability of what my pay is rather than feel that that pay is more arbitrary. So pay transpar- or pay non-transparency hurts two hurts in two ways, hurts the trustworthiness of the company in two ways, and that is that transparency by itself has a value in trusting others and predictability of how they treat us has value in trusting them. So this is where I go to, what should you do? So so what do you do about it? Uh, first, you know, many companies determine pay based on what you were making in the previous place. And that's one of the reasons for a pay disparity. Uh, and obviously, if you have pay disparity that you can't explain based on things that are happening within the company, your company itself then you have to try and be less transparent, which I already told you. It causes employees not to trust each other and not to trust you, the the company. So what do you do? Stop using previous pay as a starting point. If you're underpaying others, other companies, compared to other companies, 
uh, maybe there's a problem here. Now, the problem might be in your company that you're just paying too little. This is something you need to fix. Maybe the problem is that the other company is paying too much. And some companies do make uh, uh, unreasonable, do, do pay unreasonable salaries. Uh, maybe they raised a lot of money from investors. Maybe they had a couple of very profitable years and so on. I'm going to have to assume that at some point, those things will level off. So don't use previous pay as a starting point. You found an employee, you want to hire them, you're going to offer less. One thing to keep in mind, by the way, is especially with the younger generation, they a smaller part of their decision where to work depends on the amount of money that they get. They care more about what the company mission or vision is, what the company what the company's role is in in society, in, in the world, in, in preserving the world, in whatever it is, you can get people to take a pay cut to join your company. And that happened many times. That even happened to me. I joined a company that worked on a technology that I really believed is going places I don't know that at that time too many people did believe that Wi-Fi will be very successful, but I did. It wasn't even called Wi-Fi at the time. And I took a pay cut to join another company that focused on, on building Wi-Fi. So don't use previous pay as the starting point. That, that, that forces you to not be transparent. And uh, for all the consequences I talked about. What if somebody doesn't want to come because you're offering too little? You know what? Maybe that's the wrong employee for you. If what you're offering is fair and reasonable and they still don't want to come, maybe that's not the employee that you need in the company. And granted, maybe they've just been spoiled in and out by another company that's paying unreasonably high salaries. That's fine. Eventually, you might get them. Now, here's something important. When we talk about fairness, fairness does not mean that you pay everybody the same amount. Fairness means that you apply the same criteria to determine how much you pay people. The criteria obviously must include things that are reasonable to expect, it can be tenure. How long have you been with the company? Yes, you may want to uh, compensate people. It's not really compensating them for being with the company this long. It's, it's really uh, awarding them for being with the company for, for this long. It could be the leveling the company. It could be your, uh, the results that you deliver, uh, whether it's in the form of commission or any, any other uh, form. But what you have to apply is criteria that make sense and it is applied equally to everyone. Once you do that, you don't have to hide how much you're paying employees. Because, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, why is that person getting more? 
I can point to exactly what the criteria are and exactly why uh, I'm charging them more. By the way, I look at, at something very similar in my own fees that I charge for uh, for my workshops and my keynotes. They're on the website. They're on my website and they're on eSpeakers in, in my profile page. I'm not hiding them. Do I sometimes give a discount? Yes, I do. And that discount has very specific amount and it is for a very specific things. Like, for example... If, uh, if I'm getting booked to a place that is, well, obviously, if I don't need to fly or travel, then I will waive part of it as, as travel fees. Uh, if it's a nonprofit, if it's in an area that I'm really passionate about, such as education, I do give discounts, very specific discounts. I apply the same criteria equally. Back to the companies. Apply equal criteria. It's not equal pay. It's not everybody gets paid the same thing. That, that, that doesn't make sense. Determine what are the criteria. And by the way, the criteria becomes an incentive, a motivation. You know, people game the system, right? So how do you game the system? Well, if, you, if I know that part of my pay is relevant to the growth in, my, uh, in the revenue that I bring to the company, then obviously I'm going to focus on increasing the revenue that I bring to the company. Performance reviews have to be real and true. Performance reviews should not just be, oh, you're grading everything and we're going to kick the can down the road. Performance review, you need to know that your performance is fairly and accurately reviewed by every manager when your pay is being determined. That should not be the way that uh, pay is being gamed by managers misrepresenting, miscommunicating performance. Plus, you know, when you know what you're good at and you know what other people think that you're not good at, you know where to improve, or if you care. Obviously, another way, another thing that you can do is is create legislation. Uh, And I do believe that there are efforts in creating legislation to uh, create equal pay. Uh, And again, it's not equal pay. It's applying equal criteria. I'm not a big fan of uh, letting legislators determine what a company should do. I'm a big fan of the companies should do what's right to be trusted by their employees and to increase the level of trust between their employees. My final words are, I want to talk about an unexpected benefit of uh, increased pay transparency or total pay transparency. I believe that pay transparency would force pay equality. And again, when I talk about pay equality, I'm not talking about everybody getting paid exactly the same. I'm talking about everybody getting paid the same for the same things. So clear transparent criteria, reasonable criteria that makes sense based on which you're going to be paid. And I believe that pay transparency would cause that pay 
equality because the, the simplest thing you know i i think the the best way for me to uh uh, to describe it is uh, in 2014, uh, then President Obama signed an executive order. And in that order, he stated that the federal federal contractors, I mean, these are really the only employers that the, the federal government has control over. Federal contractors cannot prohibit employees from discussing compensation. So, you know, there is the, the laws that, that I mentioned. Um but the National Labor uh, Relations Act uh, from 1935. But in that executive order, here's what I like. I like the reasoning that was within the executive order. Here's what he said. When em- this is word for word. When employees are prohibited from inquiring about, disclosing, or discussing their compensation, compensation discrimination is much more difficult to discover and more likely to persist. I like that statement. You know what? If you don't let me talk to another employee about our compensation, then, you know, we're we're going to forever have pay quality. Now, just in case you don't think that uh, there is a pay inequality on the basis of race, on the basis of gender, or any other... Uh, characteristic, then you're, you you may want to start reading about it. There is a severe pay equality. One of the numbers that, that I read said that uh, there was a study, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember uh, where, but um, what it said is that white people have eight times more equity or, or assets, eight times more than African Americans. There is a pay inequality today. There is a gender inequality. You know, I, I remember I, I saw another article that said, uh, here's a list of the 19 uh, cities where women can make more money than men. And I'm thinking, wow, 19 cities, out of how many do we have here in the U.S.? There is a pay inequality, and pay inequality starts with pay non-transparency. If we increase pay transparency, not only letting employees discuss pay openly, but actually explain why, have equal criteria, have true and real performance reviews, we will eliminate pay equality, inequality because companies would not be able to defend it anymore. Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox. See you next week. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. 
And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.